All right, you cannot get a full picture of the American economy or American culture without understanding entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is when somebody sets out to build their own business, to start their own business. And maybe it doesn't become a large business. Maybe it's just a small thing you do on the weekend or after work when you have time. But it is still considered entrepreneurship to set out and start your own business, especially if you start multiple businesses. If you just have a habit of building business because you enjoy the strategy, that is entrepreneurship. You could be a professional entrepreneur in a way. However, one definition that we need to make before we continue on with this idea of entrepreneurship is what is a small business? According to the U.S. Small Business Administration, it said that in 2019, 44% of the American economy activity was generated by small business. That's almost half of the American economy is generated through small businesses. So here it is. The legal terminology and definition of a small business is a company with less than 500 employees. So one has to be aware of the spectrum of small businesses. By these numbers, that means that there are 33.2 million small businesses in America, and those make up 99.9% of all American businesses. So when we say small business, don't picture it as just like two people. Don't picture it as a company that has one person. This is largely what you see as you drive through American streets, as you drive through small town America. And one thing that has completely changed the game because it has changed so many other things is when COVID-19 came around, it sparked a dizzying increase in new businesses. So, for example, in 2021 alone, 5.4 million new businesses were established which is the record, the all-time high in American history. And then 5.1 million new businesses were filed in 2022 for the official business license. That is massive. That is huge. It's a crazy number. Now, yes, a lot of businesses shut their doors for good. They sold off everything they liquidated and they shut down as well during COVID. But if you think about it, that's a lot of people sitting at home watching YouTube videos, reading things because they're not at work. Maybe they lost their job or they had to position themselves in a different way. And they went and decided to make their own money in a different way. They decided to make that side hustle they've been dreaming about for a long time and hopefully make it work. This created another issue, though. We have a problem with having so many jobs available, but only having half as many people who are able to work, but they're not working. There were 10.8 million U.S. jobs open in April 2023 but only 5.9 million workers that filed unemployed on their taxes that year. So that means we have a crisis in America where there's a ton of jobs and not enough people filling those jobs. Now, this has caused a really unique problem for America's small businesses. It's not that you can't find people, it's that you can't find the right people. And so what happens is a ton of business owners are working 60 or 70 hours a week just to keep their own business afloat in the midst of inflation. And they can't hire anybody out because everybody they hire and they try to train ends up leaving pretty quick. So why hire somebody and invest so much time and resources and energy into them if they're going to turn around and leave anyway because, well, it doesn't fit them or it doesn't suit them? I know in many countries it's been hard to retain workers for a longer time because they just leave. That's not what they want. It's the same in America. We're having a huge issue with this right now. All that comes down to the fact that since small businesses are incredibly 
weighty in American GDP, it is extremely important to us because it is largely by the success of small businesses that America is where it is now. People, generally speaking, are highly supportive of small businesses, even though small business prices tend to be higher than that of a large corporation or a retail store. People still appreciate it because often small businesses reciprocate generosity by supporting local teams, charities, events, sponsorships, donations. And what's cool is that you can see this. If you go to a small town in America, you'll find a random business, a random small business with people in it that are really producing services or products. And what's cool about that, what COVID has done in some ways, it has reversed the huge corporate bubble in a lot of people's minds. Like 20, 30, 40 years ago, everyone would have thought that McDonald's and Starbucks, Walmart and these big name stores would be the only stores there are before a Walmart arrived in a neighborhood. There was a grocery store there, but that grocery store was just a grocery store. And when Walmart came, there was a grocery store. It was a hardware store. It was a pharmacy. It was a lot of things. When I was a kid, that's what everybody was talking about. They cried out for small businesses. They said, oh, no, our small businesses are being taken by these larger corporations. There's no going back. They're going to undercut their prices. There's no way because people follow the dollar and these big corporations are cheaper. And it is very fascinating because of COVID, it is different. Sure, people still use Walmart probably more than a farmer's market. That's true. But people, by and large, are more willing to support small businesses than they were before. This is that shift. This is that shift that produces a different result in Americans, that produces a different result in how we speak and how we think and how we relate to one another. It's this entrepreneurship. That still is there. It was there even before Walmart. It was there even before COVID. And it's there now after these things to show, hey, there is still a way. Instead of just sitting at home on your phones, you sit at home on your phones and you research. You research and you find a niche. You find a service for that niche. You find a product for that niche and you get to work. And surprisingly, in this post-COVID period, it has been decently successful, not for everyone, but like Amber said, relative to five years ago, there has not been more small businesses produced and filed. And it's largely because people are understanding this shift, the shift away from the big corporations that have kind of ruled America for a decade or more and shift a little bit towards these smaller businesses that are everywhere, especially in small towns in America. So some of this is definitely linked back to trust. You're going to hear us talk about trust a lot in conjunction with American culture because Americans are very untrusting right now. And that will explain a lot of our politics at the moment. That will explain a lot of the divisions in American culture right now between different groups of people, different regions, city versus country people or small town people. You can see this. And so what's happening, people are rallying around their small businesses that know their people, they know their communities, they create products specific to the people that they're listening to day in and day out. And so they become basically a product and a champion of, a mascot of that community. That's why these small businesses are getting more and more support, and that's why it's working so well. It's interesting because one of the biggest critiques of American culture that I hear of is marketing, and it's 
corporations that drive everything. McDonald's is everywhere. Coca-Cola is everywhere. Google basically rules the internet. Not really, but kind of. It's what it feels like when you come to America because these massive corporations, you've got Apple, you've got Microsoft, you've got all of these companies. They're doing so much and they drive so much. It's kind of surprising that small business is as much of the American economy as it is. We really like the personalized touch. We really like the non-industrialized things. We like the things that are unique and strange and quirky and representative of our communities. And so it is very interesting that the shift has happened even in wallets. You know it's a shift that's happening if the American finances are going another way. Even in the midst of inflation, people are still trying to support local businesses. They're trying to keep them there. They're trying to keep them in business. So this is the climate that Josh and I walked into when we moved home from abroad, thanks to COVID and job change and all of this that was happening. The in-person work was just not happening. It, things would open, things would close. Things would open, things would close. We had a baby. We had another baby on the way. Something had to give. Something had to work with our schedules. We weren't sure where we were going to live or settle down in America, but we knew that we needed to start making an income so that we can make ends meet, right? We had to live. So we started two businesses. In 2021, we were two of those millions and millions of businesses in the record-breaking year in America. One of the businesses is Wagwa Friends English, which you might know from our YouTube channel, but it's also this website here as well. Fluency Fast Track is a part of Wagwa Friends English, and it's a large part of Wagwa Friends English because, one, we had the qualifications, the experience of living and teaching abroad. We were English teachers language. and language learners. We knew what was on the market. We looked around and we were like, this is really not that great. None of this is very personal. And the stuff that is personal, the people get burned out too easily. There's not a happy medium. It's either all automated or it's so specific that not many people can actually grow from intermediate to fluent. They just grow up to intermediate or to low advanced and then they're just kind of dumped or it's just super expensive. So anyway, we saw this need for the people around us, for the people that we know are out there, for people exactly like you guys. And we created this. We spent a lot of time and brainstorming and input and ideas, and we formed them all together in what you are listening right now to this podcast, which is how can we help people that are trying to learn English is a simple need that requires a lot of input and time. And so we are really excited about this business. And that was years ago. And we're still really excited about this business even now because we have seen how helpful it has been to so many. That's why we do what we do here on this channel. That's just one of the businesses that we started. Also with this business, we were particularly concerned about finding something that teaches English the way that we wanted to learn the languages that we have studied. We experimented with so many methods, and as we studied to become English teachers, we discovered other methods for language learning, and we studied the way that the brain grasps language and linguistic studies and lots of research. We've done a lot of that work, but we were finding that a lot of things were either convenient to run a business, or they were convenient to scale, or they were so personalized and people-driven that they weren't able to accomplish much. They weren't able to make ends meet well enough in order to pour all of their time into it. They usually had to start another business or go into other things or have a full-time job and tack English on on the side. So we created here at Fluency Fast Track something that we really wanted in the languages that we were studying. If we could choose how to create a language learning program in any of the other languages we've tried to study, this is what it would be. And so 
We appreciate you guys for listening. We appreciate you guys for being here. Obviously, we love connecting with you guys, and we hope that you understand that and that you know that we know you by name. We know your work, and we are there, and we work really hard to be there. But this wasn't the only business we started. This is the business that we started to serve those who were in our boat, the boat that we had just been in for four years. This is what we started here to help those that we felt were underserved in America. And we're just kind of missing out on becoming fluent in an efficient way, something that worked for busy people, but it wasn't just based on memorization drills. We also started a soap and candle business. This is partly because in COVID, there was a lot to do with herbal remedies and things of this nature, which you can get carried away with really quickly. Some people call it just magic. Some people call it just natural medicine from God's plans. Of course, he put something in there that we needed, that kind of thing. We wanted to come to it with more of a cool head of saying, you know, there are a lot of chemicals and there is a health crisis right now. So maybe we should try to simplify things and not have so many chemicals in our homes and on our bodies and see if that helps our immune systems any. Yeah, it was a really cool experience. And we still really like our soap and candle business because we get out there. We get out there and we're able to shake hands. We're able to give somebody an actual physical product. They're able to know us. They're able to know our products. They regularly use them. They become part of their households. And that was really important to us because for us living abroad, that was the one thing that we really struggled with as well is to try to make our home a home. And it would have been really nice just to have some homemade soap or homemade candles or homemade whatever, just to know that there's a person out there who's taken their own hands to create something that I then use on a regular basis. It wasn't flashy. It's not showy. It doesn't have any superpowers. It's not going to make you, you know, fly or whatever. It's solid soap, solid candles that become an addition to the parts of your house. And for us, if that was what we wanted to give to our clients. It's really cool when you start to talk to people because some people are really helped with that. It becomes not just a product that they buy and put on a shelf, but a means by which that they know that they're supporting a small business, a couple of young family as we try to make ends meet, but also as we try to serve others. It also helped that this second business was created in the midst of a time when people were stuck in their houses and they were frustrated with either too much stuff or with lots of dirt or grime or just being stuck inside and not being able to leave very often. Having something as simple as a soy candle that is scented with essential oil that you really like, that's awesome. It's something that makes something a little more homey. Is it necessary? No, it's definitely not necessary. Is handmade soap necessary? I mean, unless you have skin sensitivities that you can't tolerate the sulfates in store-bought soap. Yeah, no, you don't absolutely need it. But it's one of those things that helped make home more home when people were just stuck in their houses, in their apartments, wherever they were. So this was something that gave some people some semblance of hominess and control over the situation, even though it wasn't really controlled. It was something that aided people in a time where they were stuck and they felt stuck. And it was just something to help bring that anxiety down a little bit, have something to enjoy at home. But... One thing that we have learned over the course of our life as business owners and as people who have started up two businesses is a big con of entrepreneurship is that you never really get a break. While the greatest part of being an entrepreneur is that you get to make your own schedules and that you get to work whenever you want to work and take a break whenever you want to take a break. In reality, when all of the profit rests in your hands and on your shoulders, 
If you don't work, you're basically saying, I'm willing to have less money. And there's this time money exchange where you have to put more time into making more money. That's the only way to make more money. Unless you start to automate a lot of what you do, there's no other way that you can do that. As a result, if you get tired or if you get sick or if one of your kids gets sick, then that means that your business is going to lose money. That means that when you stop working for whatever reason, that means that your profit goes down. And that is challenging. It's not as challenging when there's more than two employees, but it is challenging when there is absolutely less than 10. You feel the way you feel the impact when one person can't make it to the office. It's not just that, though. You have to know everything. If you don't know, Something can slide past you, whether that's an opportunity or whether it's a new law that you didn't know about or taxes and a new tax structure or a new fee that you didn't know about. And you are held liable for that as a business owner. If you have started a business and you don't know things, it can be very costly very quickly. So as a business owner, I will say even a small business, the soap and candle business is much smaller than Wagwell Friends. It's something that is kind of like our family business. We use it to travel around, to get out, to visit family, see friends, and sell soap and candles. It's a great way to do that. And it's a great way to teach our kids with tangible products how to manage money and how to make things. And that's great. We love that about it. But even something as small as that business can have very expensive ramifications if we don't do things right. So we have to know all the things. That's one of the issues I will say. That's what's nice about being a bigger business is you can have the resources to pay a lawyer to help advise you in a CPA to make sure that you have your ducks in a row in terms of the accounting and the taxes and the business filings. All of that would be great if you had the resources for it. If you don't, then it's all on you and your shoulders as a business owner in America. So as great as it is to have this freedom to be able to do these things and to have the flexibility and ability to do this entrepreneurship thing, you also have to know everything. And that is a huge weight to carry. So even in your off time, you are researching. Even in your off time, you're looking at new ways to run things more efficiently. Even in your off time that you're choosing not to work on making the physical product or to do the direct tutoring or to do content creation, even if you're not doing that, you are still working because you're still looking at ways to run that business more effectively and efficiently and just all around better and more compliant with the government. It is a huge weight and I don't want to scare you off of it. If it's something that you are wanting to do in America, then by all means, go for it. Look into it, though. Do your research. You cannot do too much research in the beginning because though you ultimately need to make that decision and hurry up and do it, you also need to know. And it's easier to do that research beforehand than to be doing it while trying to run the business. So the more questions you can ask of professionals who know what they're doing, the better. Yeah, that's kind of what we mean in our previous episode when we talk about work-life balance. There just is none. Well, it is truly a balance. So in some ways, being an entrepreneur can mean that you can potentially have an amazing work-life balance, meaning that you can rest more than you work. However, in reality, work still has to be done. And that means that you have to do the grind. That means that a lot of people that are enjoying great work-life balance are the people that have invested literally years of their life into a company, into a startup. And now, just now, years later down the road, they are reaping the benefits of that. And so that is a blessing and a curse. And it all kind of comes down to how you manage that, how you balance that. 
All right, guys. Well, I hope that gives you a little bit of a window into entrepreneurship and what it looks like in America and small business in general. As you walk around the streets in America, pay attention to those small business owners. Look at the difference between them and how they run their business versus McDonald's and Google and these bigger companies. Overall, guys, we hope that this is, again, helpful for creating more of that backdrop for you to understand American culture and why political campaigns go the way that they do. So thank you guys so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.